Hi, I'm Tony Mala, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, a program for automotive professionals that helps keep you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, dedicated to driving your success. And we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. Hi, I'm talking today with Ray Fisher, ASA's Executive Director, and Bob Wills, the current chairman of ASA and shop owner of Wills Automotive in Battle Creek, Michigan. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Tony. Appreciate being here. Thank you, Tony, for this opportunity. It's great to have you both on board. You know, this is a special show for us because it is our 50th podcast. So I'm honored to have both of you with me, and I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to kind of catch up on what's going on with ASA as we come out of the current pandemic. Let me congratulate you, Tony, number one, and and ASA for this 50th podcast. We're moving into the future and doing a very fine job at it. Well, thanks for that, Bob. You know, this was an idea that came from a conversation that Ray and I had. It was actually Ray's idea. Last August, I went down to Florida to something called the podcast movement. I figured I'd be the oldest person in the room. I was far from it. And I was amazed at how much this medium was being used and growing quickly. Podcasting, they say, has become the new blogging. And it's just a neat communications channel. And I've been exposed to it. And I got to thank Carm Capriato. He kind of inspired us on this. His show, I've been on it a number of times. It just seemed like a great way to communicate with the industry and particularly with our members. So Ray was gracious enough to let me get down, find out what I needed to know. We came back, we bought the equipment, and we launched our first show in October. So we've been on the air for not quite a year yet, but it's a pleasure to get to 50. So I appreciate that. Thanks. Definitely. We've been doing a lot of changes to the organization. And Bob, let me start with you. Some of the changes we made, I believe, involved Auto Inc. and everything else that we're doing, basically communication-wise, would you care to comment on that? The way this came down, Auto Inc. used to be a printed copy, and we found that our members weren't really using that to the extreme that we liked them to. So we moved it along into digital, so that was our beginning. It still remained fresh. Then we enhanced that, obviously, with the podcast and then our webinar platform that everybody should be viewing. I think we have webinar Wednesdays. And we enhanced our newsletters, social media platforms, and so much more that is moving us along. As the older generation, Tony, like you had mentioned about yourself, we had to make changes to ASA. We have to know how to communicate with people. And I've done that in my business. Obviously, we're doing it with ASA. And some of the statistics are impressive, Bob. Uh, Just since January, we've had eight webinars, 34 podcasts, two special COVID-19 industry forums, 68 emails. I don't know how many social media posts, including multiple live broadcasts from our Washington, D.C. representative. And Ray, I'm going to turn to you. You know, this crisis that we all went through kind of brought everything to a screeching halt. And our industry, as much as any other, really relied on a lot of live events. I know we ourselves have our annual meeting and all that stuff kind of came to a stop. So I think it was kind of fortuitous that we switched over to more social media and electronic communications channels when we did. But can we talk a little bit about your view on just how crucial all this has been to help us communicate during the crisis? Well, you know, Tony, like you said, so many things have changed and as Bob alluded to as well. The message was loud and clear as we went into 2019. That, of course, was when I first started 
And the message was that we needed to change and we needed to look at various mediums to get messaging out, communicate with our membership and also communicate with the industry. And whether you believe in a supreme being or not, somebody was watching over us because as you say, we moved into 2020 and I think we got January under our belt before everything else started hitting. And it really helped us prepare for opportunities to keep communication going at a time that was so crucial. None of us in our lifetime has ever experienced what we've been going through. And the ability to get that information out to our membership, out to the industry, with the stimulus packages that were made available, making sure that we were included in that as, as far as not only the stimulus, but also the importance of our business to help keep our emergency response team moving and keep transportation going. I mean, those were paramount to what could have been very devastating to our industry. And I'm not saying that it didn't have an impact on our industry in a negative way, but through some of the forums we've done, like you said, the VIP forums, we saw how it impacted business. And in our last one that we did here less than a month ago, demonstrated that, that some things are slowly coming back, but we have to be cautious. I think a key part of that was the communication piece and bless Bob Reddinghart for being there and, and doing everything he needed to do. And the team ourselves, you know, making sure that as that news hit, we got it out, whether it was social media, Auto Inc., the podcast opportunities. I mean, we exhausted all mediums that we could to deliver the message very timely. And like I said, somebody was watching over us, Tony, that said, you know, move this concept along and get it going. And, and we did just that. Hats off to you. You and I set some timelines. We had some goals. We talked with the team. Quite honestly, I thought we stretched them a little bit farther than what we could have. And, and actually everybody delivered, including yourself. So I'm glad to say it's 50th even though it seems like it's our hundred already. But uh, yeah, it's great stuff. We've had some good ones too, actually. Yes. But you know, you mentioned a couple of things. I want to talk a little bit more about them. The VIP forum has been important. That is actually something new that we've been doing. And that was one of your brainchilds again. And we've done two of them so far, and they've been quite successful from what I've seen. Would you agree? Yeah. So there's been a lot of information. Our last one, we had a CPA on to talk about, you know, going that next step on the COVID-19, how to get the forgiveness portion of it. And you got to thank our industry for giving feedback because it's when we get feedback and communication from our membership and the industry that new ideas come about. And like you alluded to earlier, I too have had the pleasure of meeting Carm Capriato and being part of his podcast and of course, we have Frank Lutz, who's very good at it, and Jeff Buckley here in Texas. And all these guys helped motivate us and give us some guidance and gave us ideas and laid the groundwork to to show this means of communicating. And But yeah, we just got to keep reinventing ourselves and say, what's the new way? Because you never want to be stagnant. Along those lines, I look back at the 50 podcast, and I know Bob and the board recently wanted to know some of the information. And as we're going back through it, we've had some very good guests. We started off with very good guests, and there's a few that kind of exceeded our expectations, but what a way to deliver messages and, and get the information out in a quick way. And the good thing is, you know, all of us are driving to work, so we don't have to sit in front of a computer. We don't have to be having a headset on staying at the office late. We can listen to it the way the platform is. We can listen to it on the way to work or on the way home from work just to get caught up on things because we know how it is day to day in, in the industry. So. Just a terrific opportunity and one of many. Yeah, I agree. And it is part and parcel of basically how the way we consume information is changing. Everything happens through our phones these days. That's particularly true of the millennials and uh, even Gen Xers. They just communicate differently than 
some of the baby boomer generation does. But even the baby boomers have been jumping on the bandwagon in a big way just for what you said. You know, the ability to just pop in your earbuds and listen to 20, 30 minutes of good advice on your way to work or when you're having lunch or whenever, you know, being able to consume the information at your own time and at your own pace is one of the hallmarks, I think, of the, of the communication channels we've been using. This has been particularly important, I think, to Bob Redding. And Bob is, has leveraged more than one of our channels. He's definitely done some podcasts. In fact, he does the Taking the Hill podcast quarterly. But Bob's also done a number of Facebook Live presentations as well, I believe, right? Correct. Again, when you look at the Facebook Live, the podcast, the Auto Inc. that we've done video on, I mean, all these channels that Bob Wills, our chairman, had alluded to here earlier in the conversation, you know, cash for clunkers came up through all of this pandemic as we're seeing stimulus bills get passed. And I mean, so not only were we watching what we needed to do on behalf of the industry and making sure that the monies were made available and we've responded quickly and got the information to them, but while that was going on, this cash for clunkers topic came up too, because needless to say, the auto manufacturers are worried about the inventory and trying to look for ways to get the inventory moving. So we had a bunch of things going on and it allowed us to get our grassroots level going. In fact, on the cash for clunkers, the reason it wasn't in the house bill was we saw a huge response from the industry and we need to do that. Uh, you know, when a call to action comes, we need to do it. And bless their heart, through this pandemic, they made time to do it. And I think it was like seven times the amount our highest grassroots level had been in the past. So, I mean, it was very powerful and it kept it out of the House bill. And now, of course, it's being bantered around a little bit in the Senate. So as Bob does a call to action, we're going to continue using the various mediums, whether it's a video on Auto Inc., whether it's social media, whether it's podcast, but whatever we need to do to engage shop owners like Bob Wills and, and our board members in our industry and our members that we represent. Those call to actions are important and they have to be done timely. So I can just imagine if, uh, as Bob mentioned earlier, if we were still doing a printed magazine, just where we would be or not be for all this. So the opportunity to keep it fresh, keep it timely and keep it current is just extremely important today. Yeah, I was just going to say that when we look at these podcasts and uh the information we get out of the Taking the Hill, it's always brought up a question. People say, well, what does ASA do for us? It's right out there. It's right in the open. All you have to do is listen and read it or read it and listen to it. Take the time because we're there and we are there for our members. And there's extremely valuable information that comes out. I'm very proud of it. Well, you know, ASA is important for that. I mean, I know we're the only national association that actually has a representative on Capitol Hill in Bob Redding. And, you know, there's a saying in D.C., Bob has used it many times, you know, if you're not at the table, you're probably on the menu. And the interests of the automotive service community are represented strongly in Washington, D.C. by Bob. And frankly, I think it provides one of the best values and most important benefits to our members. What do you think about that, Ray? Well, absolutely. And, you know, yes, we are the largest automotive independent service industry association that has, you know, for both collision and mechanical, it does have a Washington, D.C. representative. And, you know, so often, and, and myself included, having shop background, you know, myself included, you talk about legislation and you roll your eyes and you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not to create legislation necessarily. It's more to watch. 
and Tony, you and I have gone over these stats before, but you know, the amount of legislation that, that's introduced annually that Bob kind of keeps an eye on, he, he and Alexandra, the ones that are really active is somewhere in the number, depending on the year, anywhere from 20 to 35 that we really see activity on, stay on top of. There's another 120 or so annually on average that we kind of really keep an eye on, but doesn't move anywhere. But there's over a thousand usually every year that are introduced. So, I mean, that's a tremendous amount. I just can't imagine, like Bob being a shop owner, I can't imagine Bob having the time during the day to watch any of that, let alone know when it's time to move on something. I mean, it's very easy to say, hey, there's this piece of legislation. And Bob has a shop owner, and he's experienced this in Michigan. You hear about it, and you say, okay, I call my rep. And the rep's like, there's nothing moving on this. Don't worry about it. It's all about timing. And so by having Bob watch that in Washington, D.C., he then makes us, A, aware of the situation, B, tells us when it's moving, and most importantly, C, when to do something about it. And that usually is through the Taking a Hill website, which is where the grassroots comes from. So shop owners like Bob in Battle Creek, Michigan, can go about his business during the day and watch emails periodically and know that when that comes across, he's got to take action. And Bob, you've actually been quite involved in legislation in your time with ASA. Yes, that's true. You know, we always have input for Bob Redding. He obviously makes no action unless he talks to us because, as he says, he is the advocate. So it's been very enjoyable. Uh, I can I can only make one comment here that when we mentioned about Bob Redding, what he does, why wait for the fire? He looks for the smoke, and that's where he lands, and he gets it put out before it becomes flames. People that know him should really understand him and give him the credit. He really works hard. What better way to talk about it, Bob, is the Cash for Clunkers campaign recently. That was exactly what you're saying. We saw the smoke when we reacted, and therefore it's not in the House bill. Yes, that is a key. And I say to our members that understand anything about that Cash for Clunkers, it could have been a big hit on our business, and we've done our job. Well, and we go back to, along that topic, we go back to some of the things that Bob has said in previous meetings, but I just want to highlight it again that, that since we have the opportunity. You know, when that cash for clunkers program hit, there was over 700,000 vehicles taken off the road in the United States back in 2008 when it was going on. And, you know, the impact it had not only on the mechanical industry, but as the collision industry as well. I know initially some of the collision folks thought that this was a good thing. And the reason they thought it was a good thing is that it would help put newer vehicles on the road and result in less total losses. But the reality of it was it started hindering the opportunities for recycled parts availability. And it really had an opposite effect in some ways. In some ways, it helped. But for the most part, both industries were actually affected, I think, more negatively than positively. Mm. Well, I can't stress enough the importance of having a heads up on things, and you're right about that. Congress is not noted for its lightning speed, although the current crisis has certainly changed that in a number of areas. And I think Bob has been invaluable when it comes to keeping what has been rapid fire updates about the various stimulus programs, and it's allowed the organization to not just engage, but to keep our members engaged with what they need to know for things like applying for the PPP funding that many of them did and keeping them updated on on what they need to know regarding how to keep their customers and their employees and themselves safe as we go through this. So I think there's lots of benefits that go beyond simply the obvious legislative stuff that uh, the Washington office provides us. But, you know, there's more to that. One of the things we found during the crisis is that there's been a great demand for an online version of what used to be live training. 
And I know a lot of the organizations that ASA partners with have been providing free training, and it's actually growing in popularity, or at least appears to be. And ASA has even done some of that through our webinar series. And we have even some new management training that we're doing with Bob Greenwood, right? That was something that I think was was pretty successful. Would you agree? Yeah. So, you know, again, sometimes you just have to take the spaghetti and throw it at the wall and see what sticks. First off, uh, my hat's off to Bob Greenwood for uh, taking the risk with us. Again, that came from conversations, uh, throwing ideas around and Bob was willing to be a guinea pig. And in doing so, you know, we've got a good number of folks the size class we want to have. When you're when you talk about virtual classroom or anything of that nature, you want to pretend like it's a real classroom. So how many would you normally have in that classroom based on the content you're trying to deliver? And Bob likes to keep them, you know, for the one-on-one type of classrooms, he likes to keep them in a smaller number. And we came close to hitting what his objective was. But uh, it's gone very well. Some of our partners, like you talk about, have offered training as well to our members. There's online training through AMI as well. I think, you know, you talked about, Tony, that the annual business meeting, and of course, uh, talk about some of the programs that are out there with our affiliates, like ASA Northwest had ATE scheduled for March, and that was like a week and a half just after the impact of COVID-19 shut everything down. So they had to scuttle around and look, and they postponed things like we did, hoping that we'd be in a better place by the end of the summer. And of course, we've seen what's happened. And again, we adjusted. And so, you know, for our annual business meeting, unfortunately, the board had to make a decision and we decided to move it to next year. But in the meantime, we've got some things that we're looking at at the end of September. However, it made us think out of the box and say, okay, with the resources we have, how can we do this and still have the impact that we want to have? So again, going back to Bob Greenwood, Bob was one of the first ones that grabbed at it with us, and my thanks to to Bob Greenwood for it. And I think it's worked very well. And Tony, you've been the facilitator for that. You know, Bob's still able to give his homework out just as if he was in person. He's staying in touch with the shops during the week, make sure there's no questions, and if there is, that they don't get stumped. So I think it's been very productive. And we've got another series coming up here uh, soon with Electrical. I think that it's a new way. It's not to say that hands-on isn't the best. It's always nice to be networking and be in person. But I think what we did realize is we don't have to be hermits about it. There are other opportunities and a new way to do it. And when we're looking at the way technology is going on vehicles today and what's coming at us down the pipe, I think that it it really allows us to take the stress out of how am I going to afford this to what are the alternative ways I can do it. And I think it's delivered that way. And I think that's key. It's more of a supplement to what we were doing. But I think the ability to actually participate in the online training, frankly, out of necessity, has convinced a lot of folks maybe that were skeptical about that being an effective way to absorb knowledge, absorb training. But just for the reasons that you pointed out, you know, in Bob's class, he's actually interacting with the classes. They were kept small. And in between the various sessions, he has what is essentially an eight-hour class that we've, we've delivered over, over eight different one-hour sessions to make it simple and bite-sized. But Bob says the interaction's frankly been better than he experienced you know, in live classes because there's plenty of time for folks to do the homework, think about it, and then reach out to him. And yeah, the next one we have coming up is with Brian Mann, a well-known trainer. And he'll be doing a basic electricity class. You know, one of the things I hear a lot when I'm talking to shops about what they need their folks to have, and they said, I wish everybody had a better grasp of basic electricity. 
And regardless of what level you're at, it doesn't hurt to have a refresher. And it's a great way to get some of your entry-level folks on the path to development, kind of increase your bench strength. You know, the resistance factor in wiring today is a lot different than it was way back when. You know, you go back into the 70s, and unfortunately, our chairman's too young to remember these things. Um, <laughs> but but uh, you go back, and the, uh, the preciseness wasn't necessarily, and that holds true in just about any of the repair processes, including collisions. The tolerance levels for air was much higher than it is today. And so when you're getting into the wiring and electrical, you know, if you've been in it 25, 30 years, you really want to get a refresher. And Bob, I'm sure that in the shop, you've probably encountered some things that, uh, oops. Oh, definitely. Uh, you, you mentioned the word refresher. I don't even call it a refresher. It's new training. Just the, the word resistance, that never changed. But how it works and how much is available or not available is making an extreme difference. I'm still happy to be with it. And I've been doing it for about 45 years. And I will say one thing. I am pleased that I have been a member of ASA for probably 35 of those years and got the AMI training and, and moved on. When we have training here in my area, I make sure I go with my technicians. You can never know enough. What you say is true. Training is an ongoing thing now. It's part and parcel of what it takes to be a 21st century automotive technician or even a shop manager. You know, the systems that we use for customers, you know, relationships and some of our business management software, not to mention the levels of software knowledge that you need to have for things like reprogramming. A lot of repairs now are made with reprogramming rather than fixing, a, you know, a failed part. So the whole nature of what we do has changed. And I think that's what a organization like ASA brings to the table is the ability to keep up with those changes. As you said, Bob, you've been a member for a long time. Lots of our members have been with us for quite some time. And the next generation is coming up through the ranks. So it's nice to be able to provide them the kind of ongoing training in the way they want to receive it as we move forward. You know, it's all about evolution, right, Ray? Absolutely. Well, you know, talking about evolution, I mean, when you look back, that's exactly right. Look what we're celebrating our 50th podcast right now. And, and a year ago, we wouldn't have been even talking about a podcast. So it's important that you stay on top of things, whether it's how we deliver or communicate. It's important how we do it in the shops. I mean, just look at the transition that shops have gone through as far as delivery processes and, and different methods to meet the needs of, the, of today's consumers through the COVID-19 and, and what's going to stay going into the future. I mean, we we have to continue to change. We have to strive to do better. And that's what we're doing at ASA. And I'm, I'm looking forward to looking more through the windshield and the rearview mirror as we go forward. Yep. Well, we're certainly being led by a strong board, Bob, and I know you've had a lot to do with that. Yes. A lot of things have changed as we talked about change. Uh, not that the old ones didn't understand. It's just different things thrown at us. Nothing goes untouched. I just want to make sure that we support those that support ASA. We have corporate sponsors, we have vendors, and we have members. And all of us working together allows us to do what we're doing here just today. Absolutely. And, you know, along those lines, that's a perfect segue. Bob, before we close, Tony, because I know we're getting a little bit long, but I'm happy to say one of our partners, Dell Technologies, is working with us as a partnership. And in the coming week, we're going to be launching something that's kind of exciting as a membership growth because they see the value of our membership and wanted to partner with us as a little bit of a contest as things 
slowly come back here. And I would say pay attention to your emails, pay attention to your social media, pay attention to Auto Inc., and probably pay attention to a podcast during the month of July because we're launching a contest and a membership growth opportunity and take advantage of it. And I'll leave it at that because I don't want to spoil what the marketing team's doing. Well, it's nice to have surprises. So we'll look forward to that. Well, gentlemen, this has been great. I want to thank both of you for joining me for the 50th podcast. I think it's been a great one. I really appreciate the insight. So, Bob, thank you. My pleasure. And, Ray, thank you. Well, thank you, too, Tony. And, and again, like Bob said earlier, I'll close with uh, congratulations on the 50th. Oh, I thanks. I really appreciate that. We've been talking with Chairman of the Automotive Service Association, Bob Wills, a shop owner in Battle Creek, Michigan, and Ray Fisher, ASA's President and Executive Director Again, on the 50th of our podcast series, we'll look forward to many, many more. And again, gentlemen, thanks a bunch and have a great day. You too, Tony. Thank you, Tony. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.